Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Lean on me by Bill Withers. Old song. Good truth. We're talking about the importance of friendship, companionship, community this morning. And as I said, we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes And as I was reading through my daily reading this week, this one verse popped out and I thought, great summary of Ecclesiastes. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, what is seen is temporary. Look around. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That is what Solomon is pounding into our heads. This is not all there is. There is much more to life than what you see, hear, feel, taste, touch. There is a God above the sun who will judge on the appointed day, who has sent His Son to redeem His people. There's more to life than just the materialism. There's spiritual as well. Look up, look up above this creation for meaning, purpose, joy, and satisfaction. There is a God and it's not you. Really what he's showing us. So trust him. See, today we see another symptom of life in a fallen world. A too, all too common symptom. Loneliness. And the danger of loneliness. The danger of being alone. From the beginning, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. This is about more than marriage, but it includes that. Guess what? It's not good for woman to be alone either. It's not good for kids or teenagers or the rest of the categories to be alone. And today, I titled the message from the song, Somebody to Lean On. I know the song is Lean On Me, but part of the lyric, Somebody to Lean On. Because that's what this text challenges us to have, is to have somebody to lean on, to have people to lean on, as well as to have ultimately God to lean on. We are not enough. And there's a danger in loneliness. So this text is going to challenge us to cultivate community, cultivate friendship, to not just, listen, to not just be around people, but to be invested in people and have people invested in us. To have friends knowing that we need them. To work hard to cultivate friendship with God and friendship with with people, especially, you know, especially with God, but among the people, especially with those who are our brothers and sisters 
in Christ. So the main point today is very simple. Overcome the dangers of life in a fallen world by working hard on friendship. And today there's just three reasons. Simple outline, three reasons to work hard on friendship. This is not an exhaustive list, but it's enough of a list to show us the danger of loneliness, to show us that we need other people, and to spur and inspire us to press outside of ourselves to have community, to have friends. So we're going to look at these three reasons, but first there's a promise here. Look back in verse 9 at the promise. Look what he says here. And believe it. Two are better than one. It's not just talking about marriage, but it, you know that would be included. And I, you know, hearty amen. Two are better than one. And three is even better. Look at the end of verse 12. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. He ends this section with a proverbial statement to kind of tie it together and wrap it up. But two are better than one. Introverts, this goes especially for you. I'm one, so I can talk to you. You need community. You must have community. You must have friends, even if it's uncomfortable. And listen, introversion is not not liking people. That's sin. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself, right? So not liking people, you can't just say, I'm an introvert, so I don't like people. No, you're a Christian, so you're commanded to repent of that. Introverts are people that aren't energized by a crowd. They're depleted by a crowd. But we don't let that define us. See, we, don't, we, we can't say, well, I'm an introvert, so this text doesn't apply to me. Well, you might as well say, well, I'm an introvert, so the cross doesn't apply to me. I don't need a friend, so I don't need Jesus. I'll handle it on my own. I know you don't want to be there, and nor do I, Right? I know there are times in my life when I think with Cindy and the dog, I'm good. But I'm not. Love your neighbor. Invest in friendship. The Talmud, Jewish writings on, on, on tradition and law, and don't need to explain all that, but it says this in one spot. It says, a man without a companion is like a left hand without the right. And yes, that includes marriage, but it's more than that. And you see great examples of friendship in the Bible. Friendship. David and Jonathan were friends. It wasn't anything twisted. They were close friends. And there's a promise here. Highlighted because they have a good reward for their toil. It pays off to live in and work in community. You're more productive. Things go better. Right? We're not designed to be lone rangers. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. It, one of my friends says, lone rangers are dead rangers. Why? Y'all probably heard that. Donnie and others. Because we're not, we're not designed to be lone rangers. It pays off to live a life in community. It is for God's glory because that's what He calls us to, but it's for our good. Some of us suffer needlessly because we go through trials and we don't tell anybody. And we expect them to read our minds. If you're sick at home with the flu and you don't tell anybody and nobody helps, 
You know whose fault that is? Yours. You're not designed to go it alone. There's a better outcome. And in fact, there's a good feeling when you work together and when you help somebody. And the word says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you can't, and that's not talking about giving to yourself. We need other people in our lives. So there's a good reward. There's a blessing for living in community. And there's also an implication here or an outright statement. It is dangerous to try to go through life alone. It is absolutely dangerous to try to go through life alone. Depression and all sorts of other things are fruits of isolating ourselves. And listen, you can isolate yourself and be around a hundred people. Community is not just being around people with your walls up. That's not community. You can be lonely in a room full of people. Community is opening up and investing in and drawing others in and you know, you don't tell all your stuff to everybody, but you need community around you, and that community has layers. Your closest friends or closest brothers and sisters might be the ones you share hard things with, and, you know, there's a range that goes out from that. I mean, it's absolutely unwise to just broadcast your stuff to everybody. If you haven't found this out yet, not everybody is trustworthy with your stuff. But that shouldn't keep us from community. It's dangerous to try to go through life alone. And look at how Solomon highlights that. He, he points that out and he says, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. If there's a companion there and he falls, you can, you can be lifted up. But he actually uses the word woe and woe is, you know, that should get our attention. It's bad. Things are bad here. Woe, woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no other to lift him up. Woe to the one who is alone and falls and has no other to lift him up. I don't, I don't know. You think about a thousand things out hiking in a dangerous place and you fall into a hole or off a little cliff and you're hurt and you can't get up and can't move. If you're by yourself and that's not a well-traveled path, you, lone rangers are dead rangers. Or you think you probably, you all have seen the life alert commercials. I, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. And that's going to happen to all of us someday if we live long enough to, to be old enough to be that weak or things in our lives cause us to be that weak. We need others to help us. So the life alert things are a really good thing because sometimes the elderly get so weak or others get so weak that they actually, if they fall down, they literally can't get up. And they will die if somebody is not there to help. It's dangerous to be alone. We need to look around and look for those others around us who are vulnerable and try to be there and be that help and make sure they're okay. Physical falls are dangerous and they can be deadly. But listen, spiritual falls are more dangerous. When we're drifting away from God, when we're not in His Word and prayer, right? And we're just sort of... You know that what we call backsliding or getting in a terrible place spiritually, that doesn't happen in big leaps usually. It usually is just one small step after another in a bad direction or in a direction away from God. So you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you can't, you're trapped. Now you're not, there's a way out, but it, it requires you to depend on other people and believe other people and let them help you. 
I mean, the big fall, Genesis 3, man fell into sin and that all has consequences on us. But we are tempted daily to fall away from the Lord. That's why we need this weekly recalibration of truth and community and worship. And then on a daily basis after that, we need to be walking in close connection with others who know us. I know Cindy knows, and that's not the extent of my community, nor should it be, but she knows me better than anybody else and she can see things in me happening that maybe I'm not even aware of, that other people don't see. You need people in your life like that. You need friends like that. You need people who will speak the truth to you. You don't need a bunch of yes people around you who will never challenge you. Because we're all tempted to step away from the Lord. What we sing it, don't we? Prone to wonder. Away. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God. I'm prone to be my own God and call my own shots and depend upon my own self and think it's all about me and I can handle it. And I'm prone to just drift away from the Lord. I'm prone to drift in. I mean, Christians can fall into deep sin pits. And we need others to confront us, to love us, to gently restore us when we're in a spot that we shouldn't be in. And we're claiming to follow Jesus, but we're, our, there's no evidence or, or there's lacking or diminishing evidence. So Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers or brethren, this is whole church, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him by being mean. In a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Notice, that cannot happen in isolation. That's people living in community so that they see something going on in another and they seek to restore them to a faithful walk with Christ. So anybody who is caught in transgression should be restored in a spirit of gentleness. They won't always let you do that. But it's our responsibility to try. And notice it says anyone who is spiritual should restore them. The mature, the anchored, you know, not the brand new Christian. The, 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 the mature Christian. See, that's why church discipline, church discipline is an illustration. Very few churches practice church discipline these days. But it's a vital part of life and faith. <laughs> But you all, church discipline starts with you. And discipline, we think, we hear discipline, we think, we have these negative thoughts. We're having church discipline this morning. The positive side of that, where we are instructed and challenged to grow and walk with Christ. And then what we sometimes see is the negative side, or corrective discipline, is when somebody sees something in our life and they say, Brother, sister, I'm praying for you. I'm concerned about this. Can I help you? I see something here that... Is dangerous. Maybe you don't even see it. We need we need people to come up to us. So if someone sins, you 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 confront them, and if they don't, you know, but lovingly, gently, spiritually, and if they don't repent, then the Bible says you take two witnesses to be established. And then if they won't repent, it goes to the elders, and eventually, and we haven't had many cases of this, it comes to the whole church. And you see it in the Bible where people are removed because they're claiming to follow Jesus, but their lives, they're, they're not. They're, they're pursuing sin. So they are, um, you might have heard, excommunicated. But even, even when it comes to that point, it's done with hope 
you, you, you see Paul saying he's turned someone over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, right? But with hope that they might come back, that they might repent. And I've seen that happen a few times too, where people were challenged. Uh, pe people had left their family. They'd run off with another person uh, and they're confronted. They don't repent. They're kicked out of the church. And some months later, in various ways, as the people of God continue to not, they didn't just write them off and not speak to them, but they were loving them and calling them to repentance. And I've seen people come back and confess and be restored that way. But see, Christ goes after, he'll leave the 99 and go after the one that's lost. He comes after us, but he comes after us through his church. Christ shepherds his church to lovingly apply his word so that we are all walking healthfully in Jesus. <coughs> Why? Because this fallen world is a dangerous place to be for the Christian and it is filled with spiritual pitfalls. And we need to be locked arm in arm, walking together in community so that we're aware and have help when we need it. So there's a danger if we fall and we have no one around us to lift us up. And we need to be open to others helping us. Because, listen, one, one thing that happens when we're running off in sin, we get hard and we, we put people at arm's length and we don't want anybody messing in our business. So we'll keep people at a distance. But if someone is trying to lovingly call you back to Jesus, listen to that. Believe that. So there's a danger in falling alone. But look, there's another there's another danger in this relationship in, in verse 10, verse 11. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And again, this is not just talking about marriage. This is really talking about friends and maybe friends who are find themselves in a desperately cold environment. And so they have to huddle together. Many lives have been saved in, in emergency situations in the cold by people huddling together and just sharing their body heat with one another. Nothing sexual going on here. It's, it's just pre preservation of life. If, if we lie together or huddle together, we keep warm, we survive. So the cold can be very, very dangerous. I saw an illustration of this this week that I was really impressed with. I don't know how much you know about emperor penguins. I don't know a lot, right? But this was a really cool fact. Emperor penguins, they, 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 um, they reproduce in the winter, right? They have babies in the cold of the winter. And so one of the things that the the uh, the penguins do is they are in community, right? And you see, and I saw this on film, the, the, the penguin with the baby on its feet, under its belly, right? And the penguins, what they'll do when it's bitterly cold is they'll, you'll see them coming from all over and they come and they huddle together in this big huddle. And it's really cool to watch because they're always just constantly moving. Just little, because they can't do this or they throw the baby off, right? So they're constantly moving like this. And the reason they do that is that way the same penguins are not on the outside of the circle all the time. And so they move and blend and draw close together. And they, I mean, like, think about it, 40 below zero, stuff like that. And these penguins survive by huddling together. 
Because you know what would happen to penguin and baby penguin if they just went kind of shuffling off by themselves? They become popsicles. Spiritually, we get cold sometimes, don't we? We always need community, but especially when we're struggling. And see, this is where we're sort of twisted in our minds. We tend to isolate when we're struggling. Everything's going fine, all in. Hey, how you doing? Woo, yeah, woo. We start struggling, we start backstepping and getting alone. That's the flip, and we should be in community all the time. The scripture says that, that you, you work against all wisdom when you isolate yourself. But we get cold sometimes. And sometimes it's not for anything that we have done. Sometimes we're sinning and we're not, you know, we're sort of stiff-arming God and we're, we're holding something, you know, from Him and don't want to repent of it. But sometimes as far as we can tell and others can tell by counseling, we've done nothing wrong. And you Puritans used to call some of the experiences sometimes just a dark night of the soul. A time when it feels like, the, you know, the prayers don't go above the ceiling. It feels like there is no God. It feels like, you know, I'm the only one here. And yet God is with us and growing us. But we need to be together. And we, we do get cold sometimes. But that's especially when we need to draw close. And we need to hear others. And even if, listen, if we can't even speak, all we can do is groan. You know, we need others groaning around us. Huddling around us. There's an illustration of this in a fire. In, in actually in coals. You ever seen a, you, you make a fire and the fire burns down and then you just have this bed of embers that has flames coming off of it. So this is not about hell. Everybody gets nervous when preachers put fire on screen. <clears throat> but all of those embers that are the result of that fire, which that's a great place to cook a steak, by the way. Um, sorry, sidetrack. Together, they remain hot and they burn. But if you if you took tongs and you reach in and you take one of these pieces out and set it by itself, what happens? It turns gray. It gets cold. And then you take it and you set it back in the fire. It reheats and it starts to glow again. I remember hearing a story one time of this preacher was doing visitation and he went. This man was isolating. He was struggling. He was pulling away from the church. And the preacher went with him and went to his house and was just sitting in the room with him. Didn't even say anything. He just took the tongs and there was a fire there in the fireplace. He took the tongs and reached in and got one of the coals and set it out on the brick. And looked at it. Just kind of looked at him and looked at it. And it got cool and cold. And then he took it and set it back in the fire. And I would advise you to speak when you're doing something like that, but he didn't. But the guy got the message. Isolation. The fire goes out. Because we're not designed to be outside of the fire of fellowship. We need others to keep us warm and to warm us. We need community. We cannot walk faithfully with Christ without community. We grow cold. We drift away. We place ourselves in undue danger. That's why it's such a danger. Listen, I'll preface this with the, 
saying again, if, if you're in a vulnerable health category and you need to be at home, if, if, if you're not quite comfortable gathering with us, we're trying to make it more comfortable. We have overflow areas and outdoor worship. But TV church is not church. TV church is not community. You're watching community. There's no way for people to know you. We can't see through and see you sitting there in your living room. But it's not church. You need to be together. You need community. You need worship and life together as a Christian. See, life in Christ, worship of Christ, walking with Christ is not an individual event. It's a community event. Even when we're not together and out at work, you know, we're, we're constantly drawing that strength from community. We can talk to one another and, and, and grow that way. But if you are separating yourself, you will grow cold. And that's dangerous. Now, sometimes we have shut-ins at home and, you know, people who are sick, you know, that, there's no guilt for not, I mean, we love to have the live stream for you. But if you're just at home because it's easier, or maybe you're struggling, or maybe somebody's mad at you and you just don't want to show up and deal with that, then you need to get your tail back in worship. And deal what needs to be dealt with in a loving way, in a gentle way, in a Christ-like way. Isolation is deadly. And coldness goes along with it. Christ keeps us healthy in community. May we be a group of devoted followers who glow red for His glory because we're living and doing life in community. Because this fallen world that we live in is a spiritually cold and dark place. We need one another. So there's a danger of coldness. And last, there's a danger of enemies. Look at this in verse 12. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Two is good. Three is better. If, you t if you're attacked... It's better to have a friend present or two friends. I don't know if y'all remember this. You remember the young lady who was in Atlantic Beach who was attacked by the shark? The bull shark up there? And you know why she survived that, right? Because her daddy jumped in the water and was pounding that shark on the head until it let go. Without him or without somebody else being there, she's dead, gone, Fish food. I also saw, maybe you saw this video, but I saw a video where a little boy was doing nothing but riding his little bicycle in his driveway. And this dog came around the car and attacked this little boy. Thankfully, it only got his shorts. It was just his shorts. And suddenly, you see Super Cat come into the picture and just fly into that dog. And the dog was like, hey, I didn't bargain for this. Left. And the cat chased the dog around the car until it was gone. And then that cat came back to check on the little boy. But the little boy had a friend named Super Cat. <laughs> it was a pretty big cat for cats. But it wasn't having it. It stood up for him. We're much less apt to be attacked if we have if we're more than one of us. There's a lot of tactics for not being attacked. And one of them is to, especially in dangerous places... Don't be alone. 
Don't be distracted. Girls, guys, especially at night, you're walking to your car, don't do this. You're targeting victim. You got a big sign on you. Attack me. Be aware of your surroundings. People are too close. They look funny. Stay them right in the eye. Better than that, have somebody with you. You're much less apt to be attacked with friends present, especially if they're armed. It's true. Things are getting more dangerous out there. Community protects us from attack physically. But guess what? It also protects us from attack spiritually. Think of shepherd, the shepherd and the sheep analogy. There's a wolf watching the flock. Which one of those sheep is he most likely to go after? The one that's strayed. The one that has separated from the flock. That's because they're looking for easy dinner. We go astray. We separate from the flock. We're out on our own. We are much more vulnerable to our enemies. What does the word say about the evil one? That he prowls about like a <coughs> roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we're easy prey when we're out, out on our own. We're an easy lunch. But in community, we're much stronger, much healthier, much more hope. See, this fallen world is filled with danger. This fallen world is filled with spiritual enemies. The, the great three that the word talks about, the world, the flesh, and the devil, are constantly trying to pull us off into isolation, pull us away from the Lord, get us to walk in our own wisdom, Get us to stop treasuring his word and time with him and just gut it out on our own. Hear a big flushing sound. So how do we, what do we take away from this? Just, it's very simple application. Work, number one, work to develop friendship and community with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Why did I say work? We just all, we want it to happen, don't we? Those I'm supposed to be friends with, it'll just happen. Well, guess what? In Christ, look around. You're supposed to be friends with all these people. And even more than that, you're brothers and sisters with all these people. But it's going to take effort on your part to step out of your comfort zone and seek to pursue and develop friendship. Community. Get to know one another. So listen, both those you know and like and those you don't know or don't know well yet. Don't stay stuck in the same little group because we're, we're bad about that. We'll get a few people around us that we like and enjoy and mesh with and we just stop. Right? We all have to confess that. But, but careful because you get clickish when that happens. This little group and that little group and this little group and there's not enmeshing. Take initiative to get to know your brothers and sisters. And on a Sunday morning, look to me. Before the service and after service, don't just run with, to your favorite group. 
Look around. Pick somebody you don't know. Go introduce yourself to them. And develop community that way. It's harder sometimes for us who think we're introverts to have that vent. But that's, there's no other way to do it. I mean, if you just get up and run out the door, how many people are you going to know? And sometimes we have to do that. But stretch, reach out, make others feel welcome. Introduce yourself to people that you don't know. Talk with them a little while. Encourage them in the faith. And then go to the people. I'm not saying don't go to your crew. Just expand your crew. Right? You don't take, okay, you five people, I've been around enough, I never want to see you again, I'm going to go find me a new five. That's not what I'm talking about. We do that too, don't we? When, the, when our crew is not measuring up to what we want them to be, we'll just write them off trying to go find. No, expand your crew. Go, but when we gather on worship, you know we're good at this. I'm preaching to the choir a lot. But go to people you don't know and introduce yourself. You've noticed that during the service, we don't have that little greeting time. Stand up and shake your neighbor's hand. I hate that. I absolutely despise that. Unless they shoot me, we'll never do that. <laughs> But there is a time for that, and it's before and after the service. Come a little early. Stay a little late, if you can, and invest in community because we need one another. So take the initiative. Introduce yourself. Talk. Listen. Serve and invite. And listen, here's another aspect of it. Spend time talking to one another and listening to one another about your, your Savior and His salvation. Because fellowship... Truly defined is fellowship in Christ where we discuss those things. We're too quick to turn to the football game. I'm not picking on anybody in particular. I'm glad nobody's wearing their colors this morning. We're too quick to turn because it's easier. But fellowship, real fellowship is fellowship in Christ where we're talking about the sermon and how crazy the preacher is. Or, <laughs> I don't know. But talking about spiritual things together. I'm not saying don't talk about the other things, but don't eliminate the spiritual things and only talk about those things. Fellowship around Christ. That's what's going to feed your soul. So work hard to develop friendship. Introverts, extroverts, and the rest of us in between. Most of us are in between those two, depending on what day it is and all of that. Right? But we all have a responsibility to not just be befriended, but to befriend others. You sit around and wait on people to come to you, a lot of times it won't happen. Nothing bad about that. Take the initiative. Get to know other people. Trust me, you're going to need them. You're going to suffer needlessly if you don't do this. Develop friendships around. See, Christianity is not a magic bullet. Read a verse a day and all that and everything is going to go. That's just not Christianity. That's other things that are preached by other people who... I won't go there today. But you need one another. Invest in one another. <clears throat> Work hard on friendship. Secondly, and lastly, work to develop your friendship and community with Christ. Commune with Christ. Be a friend. There's a song, Friend of God. Abraham's called a friend of God. You know, Christ died for his friends his, and his brothers. There's, there's an aspect of it where rightly understood we consider ourselves friends of God, children of God. 
That being so, we should want to know this God. Develop your friendship and community with Christ. How do you develop a friendship? You spend time together, right? And you talk, and a very important aspect of becoming a good friend is listen. Not just talk. If you, if you just talk all the time, it's more about you than anything else. Talk and listen. Spend time together. That way you get to know one another. Extroverts, give us introverts a chance to speak. <laughs> Shut up! For a minute. Teasing. Don't be afraid of quiet moments. But with Christ, think about this. You, 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 you need to develop your friendship with Christ and the only way that's going to happen is time with Him, not mystical time. Time in His Word, listening, time in prayer, talking. He doesn't speak to you like this. He speaks to you like this. The Spirit doesn't work apart from the Word of God. You want to hear God speak? Read God's Word. You want to hear Him speak out loud? Read God's Word out loud. He doesn't promise to speak to you apart from this. There's a lot, a lot of craziness out there. Not saying the Spirit doesn't give you intuitions and all these things when you're, but this is the means of grace that the Spirit uses. Develop your friendship with Christ. Spend time with His Word. Spend time in prayer. And then here's here's the the cool thing and the intermeshed thing about developing your intimacy with Christ. It happens when you talk to one another about Christ. Talk to one another about Christ, and, and he's in there and involved, and so you're developing both at the same time. You want to be efficient? You <laughs> know one another and talk about Jesus together. Then you're developing both. See, most people, most people never speak to God unless they're in trouble. Isn't that a shame? What if your kids never said a word to you unless they were in some sort of trouble? Number one, how would that make you feel? Number one. You might address that, right? But most people don't, I'm just, I'm using, I'm talking about everybody. I'm not just talking about Christians now. Most people don't speak to God unless they're in trouble. And then they pray with fervor and make all sorts of promises. God, if you'll just get me out of this one, I'll never do this again. You've heard me say that before. And then you do what? Do it again. Don't be George Bailey. A Wonderful Life. If you haven't seen the movie, you should. Terrible Theology. Wonderful movie. I have to warn you, terrible theology. But George is sitting in the, the bar having all this trouble and he says, God, I'm not a praying man. And then ask for help. You know, and in the movie, of course, because since he has Clarence, his guardian angel, he gets the help. But anyway, don't be George Bailey. Don't not be a praying person, especially as a Christian. You should never say that. I'm not a praying person. It's like being a, a human and saying, well, I'm not a breathing person. Spiritually, same thing. Shrivel up and die. See, Christ took the initiative to establish friendship with you. He didn't wait on you. He took the initiative. He came when He didn't have to come. He was humiliated His entire life. Why? Everybody's patting their pocket. He was born in a humble situation. Laid in a manger. He lived under his own law. 
as the God man and fulfilled. He, he obeyed in every way, thought, word, and deed. He never broke the law. He never sinned. He never failed to measure up to or transgress the law of God. But he did that, yes, for the glory of the Father and for the salvation to, he was entrusted with accomplishing. But he did it for us to provide a perfect righteousness for us. His record is credited to us when we believe in him. All of our sins are washed away. His blood or his sacrifice, his death, which is what Scripture requires, the soul that sins shall die, which all the lambs in the Old Testament pictured, his death paid for that sin. Being the God-man, he could take our hell upon himself on the cross and drink it dry. That cup of justice that he prayed might be able to pass, but not my will, but yours be done. Christ suffered the condemnation that we deserve. He died, the Scripture says, for his enemies to make us his friends. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised the third day, according to the Scriptures. He's reigning in heaven, seated now. He's not getting up until the last enemy is defeated. Christ took the initiative to die for our sins, but first living to fulfill all righteousness. For God so loved the world, kids, you know this one, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in, and that's a strong word, trusts in. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. That's condemnation, judgment, hell, what we deserve, but have everlasting life. And the fact of the matter is, if you're trusting in Christ, you already have that eternal life. So see, Jesus took the initiative to establish friendship with you. He fell so that we don't have to. He paid for our coldness. He took the blow from our enemies. And the biggest was our sin. What put him there was our sin on that cross. And he did all that to set us free from condemnation and to bring us into the blessedness that he deserves as the children of God with a hope that is bigger than this life. We can look above the sun. We can trust God even in the midst of the hardest trial and know that he'll cash it in for good and he's going to take us all the way home to the new heavens and the new earth. The soul that cries, God have mercy on me, a sinner, and looks to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith is saved, is made a friend of God. And none others are. When we trust in Him, there's a resurrection in our future. There's restoration in our present. We are the redeemed. When we really understand His grace, <clears throat> when we really understand the bad news of how we've broken the law, every one of them shattered them and deserved condemnation, yet Christ took our guilt and paid the penalty for our sin and was raised the third day proving it's all true and gives eternal life as a free gift. That makes us love Him. And if we love somebody, we want to know them. We love somebody, we talk about them. In this instance, if we love somebody, we live for them. We grow in living for them. And we live in community for them. So see, Christ took the initiative to make you a friend. And what he did should put in your heart gratitude and love that makes you want to pursue him. So as you develop your community with Christ and then you're sharing that with those around you, you're developing friendship with God and friendship with brother and sister in Christ so that you can then go to your neighbor with the good news of this Savior 
and see others come to Christ. See, we will be attacked spiritually. I already told you, world, flesh, and the devil. The devil's prowling. Prowling, he's not alone. Satanic forces. Read Ephesians 6. But every trial will be used for his good. You know, on a daily basis, the Lord fights for us. He intercedes for us, right? What does the scripture say? The battle is the Lord's. That doesn't mean we sit back and let go and let God. Peter, we make every effort to grow. But we're trusting that he is with us and for us and making everything work for the good of those who love him. We will be attacked and he does fight for us. Think about the shepherd and the sheep again. Why did the shepherd have a, a staff and a rod? Well, there's more to it than this, right? But, but the rod and staff, the staff was to guide and gather and rescue the sheep. And the rod was for discipline, yes, but it was to strike predators when they attacked. And some of those shepherds were so good with that short, stout rod that they could actually throw it and hit exactly where they wanted to hit. Think about David with the sling. Another tool, right? Jesus has a rod and a staff and he's guiding us and delivering us and, and steering us from danger, keeping us in one flock, taking us all the way home. The Lord is our shepherd who fights for us. So take time to listen to him, to talk to him, to serve him, to invite him into everything. What is it in your life that you want to invite Christ into? I don't want you to say it out loud and I'm glad nobody did. But that thing needs to leave. It needs to go. Christ. If you can't invite Christ into it, can't do it in Him and know that it glorifies Him, it needs to go. And all the resources you need for it to go are yours in Him and in community with those who know Him. If you love him and really understand his grace, you will make the sacrifices necessary to spend time deepening your relationship with him. His love and his grace and a proper understanding of that removes the burden. It's not a chore. I think about it when, and I don't even like the language, when you fall in love with somebody, is it a chore to talk to them and to talk about them? Some of you who are a little older, when you have grandkids, is it a chore to shut Facebook down with pictures? Talk about them. No, no, why? Because you, we talk to and talk about those we love. Let the gospel search our heart. Repent where we need to. Embrace friendship in a new and a fresh way. Friendship with the Lord. Friendship with one another. Community in Christ. And believe that if you are a child of God, if you're trusting in Jesus, you are a friend of the Lord. Psalm 25, 14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, who know Him, who delight in Him, who trust Him, who walk with Him, who delight in His work. Right? His children. And He makes known to them His covenant. Hallelujah. You need friends. People and God. You need somebody to lean on. And it starts with the Lord. But outside of you and the Lord and the relationship you have, you need your brothers and sisters in Christ. And believe it or not, you need your neighbors outside of Christ to grow in grace, to stretch you, to give you opportunity to share Christ. So lean hard on God. Lean hard on people. Invest in righteous friendships. 
know that the Lord will bless them and that there will be a good reward for that toil. I'll give you a little more from Bill Withers. He says in that song, he says, please swallow your pride. If I have things you need to borrow. For no one can feel those of your needs that you won't let show. Just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. It is not good for you to go through life alone. You need friendship, community, and somebody to lean on. Tell your brothers and sisters in Christ, lean on me and I will lean on you. And lead hard on Christ and on them, your most, and on Christ, your most important friend, who promises to lift you up, who promises to keep you warm, who promises to fight all of your enemies. He promises to take you all the way home to the new heavens and the new earth. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to believe you. Help us to invest in our relationship with you. Developing the friendship that is ours in Christ. Help us to invest in our relationship with one another. Developing those friendships, brother and sister friendships that we need to walk through life. And then flowing out of that strength, help us to invest in being friends to our neighbors who don't know you. Call us out of ourselves. Call us out of our comfort zones. Call us out of our unbelief. Give us faith to really trust you, to really believe you, to know that you died for us, to know that you were raised for us, that you are reigning for us, and that you're returning for us someday. But we praise you this morning. We look to you for help. We need you. We need others. Help us to believe it and to press into it. And Lord, those who don't know Christ, bring them to faith. Give us the humility and the purpose to follow through on what you call us to do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.